0: Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings' vet line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings' pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North.
1: Realistic Randy Rants. What's going on, everyone? It's Declan Goff here with my guy, Realistic Randy, to break down the Vikings starting 3-1 and one on the season. Football. hit you with the Vikings horn there we go that's the right one there three and one on the season realistic Randy I mean if you would have told me through the first four games they're gonna start three and one I think you and I both would have said okay sign us up um so so far the Vikings beat the Packers they get their butts kicked in Philly um they win now back-to-back games in a little bit of dramatic fashion against the Lions and Saints um it's kind of been a little bit of a end but don't break play philosophy but regardless the vikings are three and one uh so realistic randy give me your overall take from yesterday's game and kind of maybe a broad one of the first four games of the season
0: so the opening drive yesterday's game offense marched down the field touchdown seven nothing great start from that point on the feeling in the middle of the game after the saints got their feet wet after the Chris Olave touchdown, after the Kirk Cousins interception. The Saints, they were in that game until the very end. And this is without four of their offensive starters. Will Lutz made a 60-yarder earlier, lining up from 61 to end the game, and mere inches away from forcing overtime. But the positives from yesterday's game, Justin Jefferson, He had his get-right game, Adam Thielen, back-to-back weeks of very good production. DJ Wanham was excellent yesterday. The knock on him was his inability to set the edges, and he sure as hell did it against New Orleans. And now the concern. And this goes into the bigger picture, not just yesterday, but looking at the broad scope of all four games. Well, really, the three games post-Green Bay. And in the Vikings' defense, The league as a whole, outside of Philadelphia, Buffalo, Kansas City, they're a hot-ass mess, the rest of the league. Everybody's trying to figure out how to overcome their growing pains right now. But as it pertains to the Vikings, defensively, I don't know if this is sustainable. The way that, first off, okay, the first game against Green Bay, you really blew them out the building, 23-7. to It felt like the Vikings won by a larger margin. And then that following week against Philadelphia, you lost in the same fashion that you beat Green Bay as far as dominance. You beat the Detroit Lions. Okay, fine. They're one and three. And then yesterday against the Saints, we're talking about almost half of their offense consisted of walk-on players from UTEP, and they took it to the end of the game. Right now, the Vikings defense, we're going to talk about Ed Donatel and much more. The defense is allowing 400 yards per game that whether it's starters or in the case of the Saints, even bench players. I have no doubt from what I've seen so far that any offense in the league can absolutely take it to this Vikings defense. So in the sense of is this sustainable looking through the rest of the season? Can they still win games at this rate? Three and one right now. That'd be great. I think they can do it. Only if the defense improves just a little bit. This is a major problem right now.
1: So I guess with the defense, um, yeah, they can't allow 400 plus yards per game. They're just not going to be a stout shutdown unit. But there's probably room to grow probably on the defensive line still, right? Like Daniel Hunter still kind of really is scratching the surface. He's been graded as a solid player, but isn't getting the pressures and the sacks that even Zedaria Smith, who had another great game in limited snaps yesterday, um, that's kind of the ceiling of this defense. Like, I don't think you can just, like, flip a switch and make your cornerbacks better than who they are. Like, maybe Cam Danzler takes a step up, but, like, as a group, you know, Patrick Peterson and Channing Sullivan, et cetera, aren't just going to all of a sudden be shut-down quarterbacks. So where is the room to grow on the defensive side of the ball? And I guess for me, it's two areas. Uh, number one would be the defensive line. Can Daniil Hunter start, you know, getting after it a little bit? Can they also then plug up some run defense, which has been a, a big Achilles heel for them for the base the last two and a half years. Um, so can that unit itself just be better? Cause then if that unit's better, it does just make the defense better. If you're pressuring the quarterback consistently, you're stuffing the run, you're forcing them to pass in long situations. Just, you know, it doesn't take a football savant to realize, Hey, that's probably going to be a, a good recipe for success. The other area, Randy, uh, that I noticed and, and both sides of the ball have struggled with this offense and defense is red zone efficiency. So, the Vikings defense, I think it's given up like 73% of opponent red zone trips that result in touchdowns. So anytime the opponent gets in the red zone, they're getting touchdowns. Um, can you be better in that selective area? Because like I said, you can't just make this defense go from, you know, 20th in points or 20th in yards all the way up to top 10 overnight. Now, I think the offense has significant room to grow, and that's a different vein, right? That's a completely yep. different bin that we can get into but defensively, I think that's where the bend-don't-break philosophy can still work. Like, you can get gash, you can give up 375 yards, but can you hold them to field goals more? And can Daniil Hunter start getting after the quarterback a little bit more? Those are the areas in the defense that if they start to clean up and start to kind of gel a little bit more, I think you'll see an even things out where you're not you're completely nervous every time the Vikings are on defense.
0: So, I'm going to talk about Daniil Hunter in just a second. But Ed Donatello. Ed Donatel so far is Mike Zimmer with a better attitude in the sense that (laughs) what good does it do for a defense? If your corners are consistently six, seven yards off their assignments pre-snap, what do you have to gain by doing that? Especially as you get into the red zone and you're still doing that. And then you have no right to raise all Holy hell after you give up a score. What is the purpose in doing that? And I guess what's really frustrating is whatever the shell defense, whatever this crap is about needs to stop. I feel like I've seen no adjustments defensively. I see Ed Donatel on the sidelines and as the defense is getting cooked, he's just saying, you it kind of reminds me of Leslie Frazier with the Tampa 2 We're just going to keep on doing the same old thing, baby. And things will turn around. But to your point, as far as, if the defense improves, especially with the offense that's really struggling, they did score 28 points yesterday, but if the offense is going to be this up and down type of side of the ball, then if the defense improves, that makes it much better probability that the Vikings have of winning games. You need to adjust or adjust. As it pertains to the defensive line, you mentioned Daniel Hunter. As a 3-4 outside linebacker, I just feel like he is out of his element. He's playing too far wide, which I thought it would work out great, but it's just not working out so far. Daniil Hunter, mind you, when he's healthy, he basically accounts for a sack a game. So far, Daniil Hunter, through four games, a quarter of the way through the season, he is on pace for four sacks. Yesterday, he had three tackles. He is He has been reduced to just a guy. And the fact that him playing out wide, I thought it would work out, but it's it's just not working right now. He needs to be on the defensive line. He needs to be one of the three down linemen next to Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson because it's it's a comparison I can think of is Hassan Whiteside in his <laughs> yeah. heyday yeah. with the Miami Heat back when he was good when he could camp out around the basket, he could block shots, get rebounds, and he was fantastic. But then after a while, as big men got better, they could handle the ball more. They could be a perimeter threat. When you draw Hassan Whiteside away from the basket, okay, he's not good. His footwork is not – he doesn't have the footwork to keep up with speed around the perimeter. So then he just – big men really just started taking advantage of him, and then he got reduced to a guy off the bench. So he's been around Portland, Utah, I don't know where he is right now, but he went from, wow, he's really good. It's kind of the same thing. Now, the opposite, as far as basketball and football, you can't take a left tackle and say, all right, we're going to have him line up as a wide receiver. Daniel Hunter, you cover him out wide. It's not going to happen. But I think him working out in space is just not beneficial to this defense. It's not working right now. On pace for four sacks, this is a guy who could get, he could get you easily 15, 16 sacks a season and he's on pace for four, he needs to be a down lineman. And I don't think that you should rush to be a 4-3 defense again because that takes Zadarius Smith out of his element because I don't want him to be a 4-3 outside linebacker where, okay, maybe you'll rush the passer at times, but then we're going to have you drop back in zone and cover. And I don't want him doing that. He's best when he's rushing the passer. But as a 4-3 defensive end, I don't think he has – the size or the strength to take on right tackles or left tackles. I don't think that's in his game. So 3-4 works best for him. But I do think because of what we saw in the 2019 playoffs, when Daniil Hunter against the Saints and Everson Griffin, for that matter, Daniil Hunter went from end to defensive tackle in a 4-3 base and wreaked havoc. I think the fact that he was able to do that, I have no doubt that he would kill it as a 3-4 defensive end you got to make some sort of change, but doing the same old thing that you're doing right now, the shell defense, everybody's playing far off their assignments. Daniel Hunter isn't making any sort of production whatsoever. And then we get to linebacker, Eric Kendricks. For a snap or two, he had to come out for the game. He came back in later. But they filled Eric Kendrick's spot with Troy Dye. Excuse me, Brian Osamoa, you drafted him. This is an exciting yeah. player. He makes tackles. He makes tackles exciting. And the fact that he still has zero defensive snaps, all of his snaps so far has been on special teams, that's ridiculous. You got to make adjustments as far as moving Daniil Hunter, play your best players. And the secondary, the fact that Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton, <laughs> as the game went on, looked so comfortable. I know, He dude. was poised. He looked so confident, and I just said, and this is the backup quarterback we're talking about. When he was in Dallas, oh, my God, they couldn't get rid of him quick enough. He's nowhere close to what he was when he was in Cincinnati, but he looked so damn good yesterday that I said, okay, man, it doesn't matter who you face because what you're doing right now is not working. You can sign any quarterback off the street as an opposing team going up against the Vikings, and if they were to play quarterback, Perhaps they'll go off for 275 yards as well. This defense is not working. And quite honestly, I've seen no difference between Ed Donatel and Mike Zimmer, except for the fact that players like him more.
1: Uh, Just looking at the NFL's defense, you know, league average stuff versus the Vikings defense through the first four games. This is from NFL GSIS. Uh, So the Vikings are giving up 394 yards per game. The average NFL defense is giving up 345. So basically, the Vikings are giving up 50 more yards per game than a defense. Um, yards per play, the Vikings giving up about a half yard more per play. Yeah, there's plenty of things. Uh, I mean, points per game, the only thing, the funny thing is, is that they're giving up 20 points per game. The NFL is giving up about 22. So the yards and everything else is suggesting that this isn't really a sustainable outcome if you're the Vikings defense. And can he clean up other things? I mean, the, the Vikings bread and butter is going to be their offense. We're about to get into that here in just a bit. But their defense has warts, and they have to be situationally, I think, good just to make it better. And, yes, your Ed Donatel versus uh, Mike Zimmer comparison is pretty, pretty spot on there. He's just a little bit of a nicer Mike Zimmer. But they're both very um, control freaks that, you hey, know, this is just what we're going to do. This is We're stubborn. this is, We're going to run this shell defense. This is how we're going to play D. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable for him. We'll see. Uh, looking on the offensive side of ball, Randy, Justin Jefferson being held in check the last uh, two games in Philly and then a home against Detroit. Bounces back, big game, like 13 targets, uh, 140 yards. Obviously, the, one, of, one of the best catches, uh, best throws Kirk Cousins has ever made in his Vikings career was to J.J. down the sideline towards the end of the game. That really iced it for the Vikings. Um, a big explosive game for Justin Jefferson. And that's exactly what we've been asking for. I mean, to have the offense run through him, and then you can still have dudes like Adam Thielen pop off and have really solid games underneath him, but Justin Jefferson with a big bounce-back game uh, against the Saints in London.
0: Yesterday, 10 catches for 147 yards along with one rushing touchdown. He had a slump the last two weeks against Philadelphia. He just got outmatched against Detroit. I think he got in his own way. Now, after four games... 28 catches, 393 yards, three total touchdowns. To do what he did yesterday against Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch against Marshawn Lattimore. Same thing. He needed that. The team needed that. The fans needed to see that. And the stamp on that game. You said it. The fly route. That is the ultimate Randy Moss type of play. One on one coverage. Marshawn Lattimore. He's a good player. And the thing is, it wasn't forced. Like it. I guess we could make the argument for it in week one, although the Vikings won the game, so who the hell cares? But it wasn't forced. Jefferson, he went off, but Adam Thielen complimented that as well. Whereas last week, I think this, is, this was the game that we needed to see collectively from the receivers, because last week, Kirk Cousins reminded himself, okay, wow, K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen, they're still good, but Jefferson was struggling, but this was the game where, Jefferson was more than just a highlight reel. Adam Thielen complimented that as well. And I think as long as you can share the ball and recognize when you have single coverage, because listen, once in a while, you're going to have bad games. Derry Slay, the Eagles, they did a hell of a job, but for the most part, we know one-on-one coverage, Justin Jefferson, he's going to win that every single time. And even if they want to double or triple team him, KJ Osborne or Adam Thielen, One of those dudes, or both of them, they're going to have single coverage, so pick your poison. This was great.
1: Yeah, Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen combined for like over 220 yards. Uh, Kirk Cousins targeted them uh, 22 times in the win, 13 of them going to Jefferson, nine of them going to Adam Thielen. I mean, that's all you want right there. I mean, those are your two best wide receivers. And yeah, is there something with K.J. Osborne maybe getting involved a little bit more? We can potentially see that down the road but Justin He would have had
0: that touchdown but then it got called back off of yeah, the that's right. goodness, the offensive pass interference but whatever.
1: But Justin Jefferson things funnel through him for the lack of a better uh for for better or for worse they funnel through him. Uh curious your thoughts to Randy on Dalvin Cook. So so Dalvin again like a solid game, 20 yards, 76 uh 20 attempts, 76 yards. Uh so far this season Dalvin Cook I, I looked this up after the four games. 70 72 touches this season so far. So the four games um 72 touches between rushing attempts and receiving uh, uh catches. His longest play this season is for 16 yards. That's it. So 72 touches, not really that explosive, you know, 30-40 yard play or a swing route or screen play that ran for 50 yards. Most explosive play has been 16 yards and quote, you know, quotation marks around explosive. Do you feel that Dalvin Cook is losing a step? I mean, in general, he's been having a solid season. You know, he's averaging four and a half yards per carry. He's getting the ball a good amount, but we've yet to see him kind of have a big explosive game. I guess your level of, not concern, but your just 30,000 foot view of Dalvin Cook through the first four games.
0: Well, because of the position that he plays, you have to be aware that at some point, the cliff is coming, even when you least expect it. I honestly believe that, Listen, every team, they have two post-June 1st designations that if they want to exercise it, they can. The Vikings, they have an out after this season. If they were to go ahead and do a post-June 1st, let's say trade, if they were to go ahead and do that, they'd save almost $8 million in cap. Or no, that's pre-June 1st, excuse me. But as far as post-June 1st, you'd save $11 million in cap. If they were to release him, it'd be the same Perhaps a team would be interested, but because of the cap hit that he would bring over, I don't know. You may have no choice but to release him, but I think he's losing a step. And I think because of what you're seeing right now, there's no reason to believe that with his durability issues, and not only that, but the position that he plays, very rarely do running backs all of a sudden, oh, I figured it out. I got my second win for the rest of my career. I'm going to average goodness, I'm going to average close to five yards a carry now. I think it's over with. And I think with the fact that Jefferson, he's going to get a big contract, presumably next year, Kirk Cousins, his cap hit, money's going to be tight. You're going to have to make some tough decisions on this roster. And I think Dalvin Cook is going to be one of those players, along with Adam Thielen, even though we disagree on that. But I think what we're seeing right now, he doesn't have the same explosiveness. When he lined up wide yesterday, on that crossing route, he looked great. So in the passing game, he has some value still. But as far as a running back, he doesn't have that juice. Because him, when he's at his best, he, Dalvin Cook, along with Kyler Murray, have some of the best footwork in the game, whereas they can shift direction without losing a step at all. And because he lost that step, that magic is gone. I think he's gone after this year.
1: Did you get this the last year of Dalvin Cooks because Judson kind of been, I been saying it. the same thing.
0: It's it. They have the out after this season. Quasi Mensa analytics, your numbers guy. It makes no sense to keep him next year for what would be a fifteen. Excuse me. What would be a fourteen point one million dollar cap hit in twenty twenty four? It will be fifteen point six twenty twenty five thirteen point five. He's not going to be worth that after this year.
1: Yeah, I mean this is where paying running backs just gets really dangerous. Like even with the Packers, yes. Aaron, Aaron Jones has been fine. And now he's being you guys a little bit more, uh, but this is the danger of, of paying them. They're disposable. They're they're Use them for your rookie contract draft another after four years. Like you may as well, um, you know, and I don't know if they can figure out ways to get Canadian Wongwu involved more. Cause he's basically been on kick returns. He's been great on kick returns. He's, he's doing a really sure. good job. Can you get him and Alexander Madison involved in the passing game more, in the screen game more, draw plays? Is figuring out a lot of different ways that they can figure out to get their most out of their running backs possible. Um, that'd be the most well, ideal in the situation. Bullpen,
0: in the bullpen, you've got Kane and Wangu and Ty Chandler. So I think they're set up for 2023 without both Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. But in next year's draft, you're probably going to have to draft another running back. But this is just what the league has become. Unfortunately, and... I, you know what, I'm a father, I've got two kids, I've got a son, and I will selfishly, as much as I can, say, hey, don't play football. If you're going to play any sport, if you have a chance at making it into the pros, play baseball or basketball, where the money is basically guaranteed all the way. Whereas football, if you want to play football, okay, fine. But if you're going to play any position, do any position other than running back. Because when it's time for you to continue your career, post your, my goodness, if you can even get a lucrative second contract, but even beyond that, if you want to get more money at that point, you're going to, get, you're going to take so many hits. It's not going to be worth it. That's unfortunately the situation that Dalvin Cook is in right now.
1: All right, man, let's go to the quarterback here. You and I were talking about this um, over text messages. I was, oh, telling, I was talking to Judd about this too on Purple yep. Daily and Mackie and Judd the Day. So Kirk Cousins, through the first four games, off to statistically uh, one of his worst starts of, of his career so far. Now he's had he's been historically always been a bit of a slow starter, so it's not a surprise to see him be off to a little bit of a slow start here. But regardless, just lackluster numbers, not really a, a big individual stat line guy so far. But so far, in those four games too, two fourth quarter comebacks. He's been clutch. He's been able to have a clutch gene to him. He had just one fourth quarter comeback in his first 2 years as a starting quarterback with the Vikings in 19 or in 18 and 19. So now, back-to-back games with a couple fourth quarter comebacks. I guess my big question to you, are you willing to sacrifice the Kirk Cousins numbers as a whole if it means you get a little bit more clutch version of Kirk Cousins? Where are you standing on Kirk so far through the first four games of the season?
0: I'm not willing to sacrifice consistency throughout the whole game, especially if this defense is going to lay down and just let whatever the opposing offense do, whatever it is that they want to do. If they, if you're going to allow Andy Dalton and Bishop Sycamore players to come on the field and just shred you apart defensively, unless that improves, Kirk Cousins, he has to be at his best. And to your point, Kirk Cousins so far – Since coming to Minnesota is having his career worst season, Mm -hmm. 63% career worst in Minnesota. In fact, that that's really going back to anything at par or below that was in 2014 with the Washington Commanders. And he didn't even start. That was when he had a short. He only started five games that year. But as far as a full-time starter combined with Washington and Minnesota, that's his career worse. Obviously, it can get better as the year goes on. But touchdowns to interceptions, this was a guy that, like, clockwork. Right. You can depend depend on 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, maybe something better here or there. So far, a quarter of the way through the year, six touchdowns, four interceptions. It's getting really Difficult to defend Kirk Cousins right now. To your point, he has the comebacks. Whereas when I feel like when he's forced, when the team is forced to make some sort of play as the game is going away, that's when he's at his best against Detroit. You had two double-digit comebacks, 14 and 10, to get the win. That's great. And then I just feel like the forced The intentional third down checkdowns. That's the thing that really just irritates me the most. And I will say that this is the year that you could really measure him fairly now that the head coach, the former head coach, is gone. I understand the offensive line. They had a bad game yesterday. The defense, they're playing like ass. But you know what? The main culprit, in my humble opinion, is gone. It's all up to you now. You still can control. I feel like first and second downs in the middle of the game, that's where he can say, you know what, on third downs, I'm not feeling it. Let me let me throw a check down to Johnny Munt, which by the way, Johnny Munt, he had oh, a drop God. yesterday. Now we talked about the tight end depth, where I said, I'll put in Eric Kendricks, I'll start with Johnny Munt, Irv Smith Jr., get up out of here. At this point, who wants it this week? Yeah. Every week it's a <laughs> it's a week to week league when it comes to the tight end depth with the Minnesota Vikings, but he had the comebacks against Detroit, two double-digit deficits that he came back from. And against the Eagles, you know what? If Irv Smith Jr., talking about tight ends, if Irv Smith Jr., if he makes that catch, you go into halftime down 10 instead of 17, it's a different ball game. You have the ball to start the second half. It could be different. But you know what? The fact that he's intentionally checking down on third down, the miscues, the bad throws, it's just a situation where he just – and the offense is clearly different from the standpoint, if nothing else, that Kirk Cousins, it seems that he has the freedom to audible now. And it just – I feel like that he goes into the huddle or goes to the line of scrimmage with the original play call, but he's got two or three extra plays in his bag if he needs to do it. But he needs to execute. This Kirk Cousins that we're seeing right now is the worst version that we've seen in Minnesota. What we've seen throughout the time that he's been with Mike Zimmer, the former head coach was great to where I said, man, you know what? If we get a new head coach that understands the offense, we'll be fine. Defensive problems and all, but he's not the same guy. This is the worst that we've ever seen him. He needs to get better because I'll tell you what, against teams like Philadelphia against Detroit, against New Orleans with UTEP players off the street, whatever, the fact that they can take it to this defense, that's a problem. But against teams that have got their stuff figured out, we saw that against Philadelphia. Speed is a real problem for this defense. They're not going to let you off the hook. They're not going to allow you to hang into the game if you don't have it together. So you're going up against teams like, my goodness, bring up this Viking schedule right now. You're going up against teams like, you know what? And I will even say, Tua or no Tua, the Dolphins, they are fast. Yeah. You've got Buffalo, which I have as an automatic loss anyway. You've got, goodness, you have the Lions again. You barely beat them in that game. You've got Arizona, Kyler Murray, he's fast as hell. The teams where in Arizona Cardinals, I don't know, I think Kyler Murray's overrated, but with this defense, they're going to allow every opportunity to keep the opposing teams in the game. So that forces guys like Kirk Cousins to be at his best. We are not seeing Kirk Cousins at his best, nowhere close. He needs to improve. The defense first, I will say, because if they can get better even just a little bit, maybe we can skirt on by even with the struggles of Kirk Cousins as long as at the end of the game he steps up. But back to your original question, I will not sacrifice the consistency just to have that, okay, at the end of the game, he's clutch, and that's great, because if the defense doesn't allow that to happen, if they are going to allow, right? and listen, you know, as far as points per game scoring defense, they're not too shabby, but at some point when you face the better teams, it's only going to get worse. Will Kirk Cousins even be in a position to be clutch at the end if the opposing defense or if our defense doesn't keep the game close in the first place?
1: You know, off the top of this episode, we were talking about, you know, is the is it sustainable with the defense, the bending, not breaking, you know, there's only so much you can do there, right? There's only just so much you can improve. But with the offense, it just seems like we're still scratching the surface, right? Like they, they really haven't hit their zenith. Yes, they had a great first game against the Packers and JJ went off. Yes, they still a little bit of a mixed bag. You have your quarterback still not playing up to his normal standards. There's an insane room to grow like we don't know what the ceiling of this Vikings offense is we we think and it should be a hopefully a top five top 10 offense but we're still kind of stumbling our way through games so far and with Kirk Cousins off to a slow start and a guy who is historically a slow start in his career you'd like to think that as games prolong and as he gets more comfortable in the system and barring no one getting injured that he's kind of this sleeping giant that's probably going to wake up and be the Kirk Cousins that he usually is I guess I'm willing to sacrifice more of the consistency of who Kirk is, if it means you can get a clutch gene at the end. Now, the problem with that is, even even I can tell you, like you can't just predict clutch, right? Like you can't. There is no statistic that just predicts, like, hey, you're going to be clutch in these X Y Z scenarios. The only way you really get there is through a long sample size of guys who have been there, done that. Tom Brady, et cetera. You know, if, if you have guys like Brady, Mahomes balling out. That's a different, that's a different story. But can you get like an Eli Manning jeer to him where who can shipwreck a game? But for whatever reason, when it was January, the guy played really well, Joe Flacco. And he had his run in Baltimore. That wasn't something that was predictive. That wasn't something that you could predict that, Oh, every year we're going to get this version of Joe Flacco. We'll take the warts. Cause we know he's clutch when it matters most. You can't really just predict those type of statistics with middle tier quarterbacks. But in the short term, in this the 2022 version of the Vikings right now, I'd like to think that I'll sacrifice some of the Kirk Cousins' consistencies if it makes him, number one, uncomfortable in a good way and it makes him be a clutch quarterback at the end. And yes, the defense is kind of indicative in putting him in those situations, right? If the defense cleans up its job and then the Vikings aren't forced to have a fourth-quarter miracle comeback or a game-winning drive like they've had the last two weeks, all right, well, that's all good and gravy. But the thing is with the NFL, as we were seeing right here, It just, that doesn't really exist, unfortunately. So we'll have to wait and see kind of just how Kirk Cousins performs through the rest of the end of the season. Uh, I'm sure he gets more comfortable as games go on, but that's just kind of my view of Kirk. I'll I'll sacrifice some of those numbers if it means that we'll get more of a clutch version of him because that's what we've all been wanting to see from him so far in his first five seasons with the Vikings.
0: You can't, I just don't think you can rely on the scripted drive to start the game and the end of the game, okay, Kirk, do your thing. The filling in the middle of the game, you have to play better. And what we've seen so far, I just don't think defensively, unless you're going to make these adjustments, which it seems like Ed Donatel just doesn't give a damn. It seems like he doesn't care to make any adjustments. It's only going to get worse when you go up against the better teams. If you can't keep the games close at all, which I don't think that's going to last, Throughout the rest of the season, especially when you go up against better teams, if you can't keep the games close and Kirk Cousins doesn't have an opportunity to say, "Okay, you know what? Well, you know what? The defense—they're finally stepping up and they're making plays and all that stuff." And Kirk Cousins—he just—I just don't think it's sustainable to rely on only when it comes to Kirk Cousins, right. the scripted drive in the beginning and the miracle comeback at the end. Agreed. That is just—he's got to step up in the middle as well.
1: Agreed. Yeah, you got to play better in the second and third quarters. And luckily, it's Kirk Tober, Randy. I mean, Kirk Tober and Kirk Vember are, are, are. You big know marks. what?
0: Yes, it is. But you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that. It is Kirk Tober. What was Sunday? Sunday was what? October second.
1: Yesterday,
0: October second. second. That's right. And you know what? <laughs> they just got out off the edges of their teeth going up against Andy Dalton. My goodness, the interception throwing it to. Goodness, Honey Badger, Tyron, Mathieu, yeah. all that fun stuff. You finally got that win, October 2nd. But, you know, they got the win. It doesn't matter.
1: Uh, two more games, right. Randy, for the Vikings for the bye week. Of course, they come home against the Bears, uh, and then they have to go to Miami, whether that's against two. I know Teddy Bridgewater, they said, we'll start this coming week against the Jets, so we'll see what happens with that. That's a whole other can of worms. I'm glad we're not doing Dolphins daily at this point. Uh, but regardless, two more games left. That They're at home against the Chicago Bears, Vikings open as seven-point favorites. And even though the Bears look mostly like a mess, I have no idea how they've won two, two games throughout the first four of the season. Um, what are your thoughts on the Vikings-Bears game? Because even though they're seven-point favorites, just the way the Vikings have been playing, I feel like it's going to end up being a lot closer than it should.
0: Honestly, you remember when we did the record prediction yeah. for the Vikings? I've done it on my YouTube channel. We did it here, and we went down game by game. And the main thing that I looked at was the quarterbacks that we were facing. And I'm sorry, after allowing Andy Dalton to go off 20 for 28, I it, it doesn't matter who we face. That includes Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. That includes, goodness, who's the, oh, Carson Wentz of the Washington Commanders, they're one and three. That includes Any quarterback that you can think of, Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco with the Jets, Matt Ryan has been a disaster. I thought he would be so much better in Indianapolis, much better than Carson Wentz. Turns out, ironically enough, he's much worse. But back to Chicago, it just doesn't matter. And as far as their play, they should, I don't think they're going to win more than five games this year. But again, speed is the main problem. Justin Fields can be mobile. You've got Darnell Mooney. They have enough-ish players to where it can make it interesting. But if you're going up against one of the worst defenses in the league, I have no doubt that when we looked at the record prediction, okay, and we said, you know what, on a blank slate, the Vikings, they should win or lose because X, Y, and Z. I've seen enough so far through the first four games that it doesn't matter who we play every game is going to come down to the wire until the Vikings prove otherwise. So going up against the bears, I think the Vikings will win. They should win going up against Miami. That's a whole nother can of sauce because <laughs> my even Tua or no Tua, Tua that's going to be really bad. I don't know if he's going to play against the Vikings, but even with Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. they still have Jalen Waddle. They still have Tyreek Hill. I think their running back room is, somewhat decent, they still have Mike desecchi at tight end, that they have enough weapons to give this defense problems. I don't know, man. I don't know. But then again, I predicted that against the Dolphins, that was going to be one of, the, one of those wacky losses that you look back and say, how did we lose to this team? Now I'm just saying, okay, how do we win against yeah. these teams? <laughs> yeah. that, it's, it's the opposite now. So I, I it's going to be a close game either way through the rest of the year. That includes Chicago twice and Miami, whether Tua plays or Teddy Bridgewater.
1: The thing I told uh, Judd against Andy Dalton after watching the Saints game yesterday was just like, I just wanted them to smash a backup QB in the mouth. Like, I I just wanted to kick his ass. Jameis Winston didn't practice all week. They basically knew it was going to be Andy Dalton when the Saints started practicing last week. You know, they get Justin Fields now this week against the Bears. We've I know Aaron Rodgers was held in check, so like, that was the first game of the season. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback that they've seen so far, but can you just go out there and quiet a below average team? Can you go out there and just kick their ass at home? I think like that I mean, for my own cardiac sake, like we've been watching these games go down to the wire or we've got a we got a butt kicking in Philadelphia. Can you just go out there have a noon game, and then by like one fifteen, I'm already thinking like, oh God, this is great. They're up seventeen to three. Uh, Justin Jefferson already is at a hundred yards, et cetera they've they've sacked they've sacked Justin Fields a couple times. That's what I want. Just like go out there and get a statement win at home. Go get a butt-kicking at home. They're seven-point favorites. I don't know if they'll cover that spread, but at the end of the day, I just want to see them, please, for the love of God, go out and just kick a team's butt before you go to Miami, which is already yeah kind of a toss-up game as it is right now before the bye week after week six.
0: I think... If anything that gives the Vikings favor against the Bears is because they're at home, they're at U.S. Right. Stadium. The Bears are such a disaster that I think the <laughs> Skull Chant will throw him off. Who knows if they even practice the silent count? Maybe they do, but they're they're just not ready. So I would say the Vikings should win that game. But I'm telling you, man, the Vikings. To your point, they need to they need to have a convincing win because against Green Bay, Week One everyone's kind of getting their feet wet at that point. Green Bay, they're starting to get better. He's starting to Aaron Rodgers. He, I think he finally had his first good game of the season. He's starting to figure it out with his receivers, but the rest of the way, can you have one convincing win? Yesterday I woke up, Declan Goff at 615 in the morning. Oh yeah. And I'm just sitting there just dragging my feet. All right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I had a, Long day at work, the night before, okay, all right, Vikings are going to play, let's get after it. And the energy that was drained from me watching that game to where when Will Lutz <laughs> kicked it from 61, I, I thought, thought he was in. Made it. I thought it was in I thought then. it was in. And when the refs did this whole thing and said, no, it's no good, I said, oh, my God, that's, that's just a lot. And then at the conclusion of that game, the epiphany that I had was, oh, my God, we still have a whole day of football to go the first wave of games haven't even started yet and i was just just watching the games i was like a zombie watching it just just because the vikings beat the hell out of me watching them play and barely beat the saints with andy freaking dalton get a convincing win you need at least one of those because that will be a big time confidence booster for the rest of the year
1: yeah if you can get if you get a big win at home, and then I wouldn't say the game against Miami doesn't matter, but if you can get into the bye week at at least four and two, man, that makes yes. life a hell of a lot easier the rest of the season. And and they got tough games after the bye. They have the Bills. They have the Cowboys. I don't know if it's going to be Cooper Rush or Dak Prescott at this point, Um, but you, you're on the road a lot. Like you have to figure out ways to get wins there. So if you can go, if you go four and two. The math becomes so much easier to get to ten wins at that point. If you're four and two, I mean, and if you're five and one, I mean, then it makes life even easier. But I think for right now, if you can get in the bye week at four and two, man, that's a huge win for the Vikings, absolutely huge. Uh, Randy, before we wrap up here, man, any other uh, final thoughts on the Vikes? Any NFL observations you noticed uh, in week four? What do you got?
0: Four and two, I think the Vikings will do. They will beat the Bears, even if it's uh, even if it comes down to the wire like it did against the Saints yesterday. I think 4 and 2 is the minimum that Vikings fans should expect, but the rest of the league, they're trying to figure it figure it out right now. Baltimore, they're 2 and 2. All these teams that we typically have as locks to be 3 and 1 or 4 and 0 right now. I feel like at the start of every season, every football season, we at least have five teams that we can say, "Whoa, look at these guys." And then maybe two of them trickle off as the season goes on, there are a bunch of frauds, and then the other three, oh, they're for real. We don't have that right now. Every other team in the league, including the Vikings, that's why I'm saying all is not lost. The Vikings can still figure it out. But if it goes the way that it's been going in the sense that Ed Donatel, He's going to watch the house burn down and not call the ambulance or the firefighters to do anything about it and say, we're just going to do the shell defense at some point. It's going to come around, baby, but not realizing that as every game that you play, the worse that your defense looks, the opposing team that you're about to face, they see film, not just through the first couple of games that you played before the last game, but including the last game, they are going to say, we now have for the Bears, as crazy as this sounds, we now have a four game sample size on the Vikings defense. I'll say three game sample size because against the Packers, it was whatever. But the last three games, the Vikings have been doing the same stuff. Here's where opposing teams has had success. Let's replicate that. Get it together. Make adjustments. It's I love fine.
1: It. I love it. Yeah, get in there. Go, go against Chicago and just kick Justin Fields' butt. The Bears are trying to lose. The fact that even won two games is basically a miracle for them. So go in there, kick their butt at U.S. Bank Stadium. Skull chant it up. Let it be raucous. Let it be loud. And just uh, and just take care of business against the Bears. Please, no cardiac. No fourth quarter comeback. No 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 none of that. As much as I love that this is in, there's a new clutch Kirk Kurt, Kurt Cousins here, just go out and get a big convincing win. That's all I'll ask for. Realistic, Randy. Hit the subscribe button on his YouTube channel as well. You can hit the subscribe button, of course, right here on Min- on Purple Daily for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment, where we just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. We are here every Monday to break down things after the Vikings games. And also, Randy, I think I saw a stat. Uh, the next five games are noon games for the Vikings. So no more 8.30, no more Monday night, no more 3.30, just traditional noon kickoff Sunday, baby. You can sleep in. You can wake up. Don't kind of wake up at the ass crack of dawn anymore. You can just watch football. It's a time where it should be 10 a.m. for you, but noon for me here in Central Time. I love it.
0: Five straight games. Yes, I think it's time. The Late you. games and then waking up at 6.30 in the morning for me was just brutal. No. But I love this team. I watch them whenever time they play. But we need just a slew of games where we can have a routine as Vikings fans to say, okay, this is what's happening. We can plan ahead. We'll be fine. Then you've got Dallas on November 20th, 125, and then the Thanksgiving game. And then after that, pretty much for the rest of the year, 10 a.m. games or noon games for you guys before the Green Bay game, 125, the Colts game, Bears game, TBD. But we need this right now. It's
1: been too much. Consistency, noon games, and an asking against the Bears. That's all we want here uh, for the the Minnesota Vikings. Hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. Before we die, also on this YouTube channel, check that out. We will be back tomorrow.